0: Welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. In today's episode, I am going to interview and debate with Karl Roof, who is an advanced SEO tester and speaker. Cal was recently under the spotlight for ranking websites with just dummy text and no original content, proving that unique content may not be as important as we thought it was. In this interview, we are going to talk about a bunch of controversial SEO topics, from how to perfectly optimize your anchor text to how to edge your competitors out of specific queries by bending Google's vision on what should rank for this query. This is mostly an advanced interview, but there is something for everyone here from simple optimization tricks that you can apply to your website today to world domination ideas so if you enjoy this episode don't forget to subscribe we are even on spotify these days so there's no excuse and if you really enjoy this episode don't forget to rate us on itunes or elsewhere it really helps us reach more people and produce more content for Atari hacker but enough talking let's get going with the interview <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome
0: back to the podcast today. I'm not with Mark, I'm with the next best thing, which is Kyle Roof, who is pretty well known in SEO now because, well, uh, you're the first SEO that got the index for on-page optimization or something. So I guess uh, you have that under your belt now, but can you introduce yourself apart from that story?
1: <laughs> I'm actually having that put on my gravestone, so it's being chiseled yeah. out as we talk. <laughs> um, yeah, My name is Kyle Roof. I'm from, I live in Phoenix, Arizona. My agency is High Voltage SEO. We're a full-service digital marketing agency. We have the office in Phoenix. Our main office is in Berlin. We also have an office in Melbourne. We do local to national to international, so I'm doing all types of SEO. I'm also the the lead tester for SIA, which is a testing group, which is um, where I do a lot of my work. Where In the last three years, I think I've published uh, about 300 tests in the group, and I don't think anybody else in the world has done that. So 300 tests on Google's algorithm.
0: Yeah. So basically, SIA is like, you just like make an assumption. You basically try to run something scientific, kind of. like you, you make an assumption. You're like, oh, I think maybe having five or more images on the page is going to help rank higher. And you just run the 10 sites. On some sites, you have you know one or two images. On some sites, you, are, you have 10 images. But the rest is basically lorem ipsum content with high density for one keyword that you pick so that you can benchmark the rankings. And you just publish these results, right? I mean, am I describing this correctly?
1: That's pretty close. The biggest thing that we try to do is to make sure that we control as many variables as possible. So if we're, in your example, for testing, say those five images, those five images would only go on one page within the test environment. Everything else would have a control number, say one, to start. And then we would see if we get movement out of that, whether it moves up or down or or you get no movement. And then the idea is to replicate that test to see if we can get the results to, to happen again. And then the next thing we'll do is we'll run it in the inverse, meaning run it the other way so if we've got say those controls would then all have five and the test page would have say one and we see if we get the opposite result and then once we see that kind of something we feel pretty good about the uh the results that we're getting cool
0: how do you set up these tests do you have like a, a you have a huge battery of test sites right
1: yeah i have an undisclosed amount <laughs> i've lost okay. test sites in the past to uh to to google but i do have a few
0: can you tell us what happened with that story because we we kind of mentioned it but like many people might not have heard of the story so can you tell us exactly what happened there and why you've loved this site basically
1: so the there was a competition last year to rank for um, the term rhinoplasty plano rhinoplasty is a nose job and plano is a a city outside of dallas texas i entered the competition it was only a 30-day competition and, and i actually technically took fifth after 30 days, Uh, but nobody really did that great in 30 days. I was on page nine. I think the winner was on page eight. But then about two weeks later, my site shot to number seven, organic, and number one in the maps. And then I went to number one, organic, and one in the maps. And the thing that was hilarious is I built the site in Lorem Ipsum.
0: Yeah, Lorem Ipsum, for people who don't know, is, uh, sorry, I'm just going to explain. Lorem Ipsum is placeholder text. So it's just like ancient Latinate means nothing, basically. It's not content. It's just filler words.
1: Yeah, complete filler. So you can kind of see what text looks like on a page as you're as you're designing is what it's normally used for. Within the lorem ipsum, I copied and pasted in the exact keyword, its variations, the LSI. Within the page, I determined the page structure that I needed, and I gave Google the page that it was looking for. It was a fun thing. It's not the first time that I've done that, so I knew that it would work. I didn't know that it would work that spectacularly, but that's kind of how SEO goes when you're when you're optimizing a page. A little while later, so I actually gave some talks on it. A little while later, Search Engine Journal decided to publish it and published my name. And within six hours of that publication, my, the site was de-indexed. But then that night from 1.15 a.m. to about 1.27 a.m., Google de-indexed 21 of my test sites. And those test sites had no connection to the, the competition site. There was no linking between them. And there was very little linking between those sites. And those sites were on different hosts, different IPs. Some had privacy, some didn't, but Google decided to take them all down. Fun fact, though, I did a reconsideration request on, on a couple of them because Google said they were pure spam. Yeah, so I did a reconsideration request, and the first one was like I said, this site isn't ranking for any keywords that anybody is optimizing for or bidding on in AdWords. It can't be spam, and they didn't like that. So then what I did is I took everything down, and I left up the WordPress you know, um, 2012 or whatever, the 2020 page, and I did a reconsideration request, and they they denied that as well. And then I just put up a a page of text, hey, this is what we do, this is what's going on in in actual English, and did a reconsideration request, and they denied that as well. So safe to say that Google has just decided they're not going to let my sites out of Google prison. (laughs) it, It seems very intentional.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just uh it's funny because that's the kind of things that Google as a company would stand against when if politicians were doing these kind of things. So it's very funny to see them oh, yeah. to see them do that now. But did they actually touch your agency website or your other businesses?
1: No, no, nothing else was touched. So just the just the test sites. What I I've gone through actually, I've grabbed all the different times that Matt cuts and Gary Isles and John Mueller have all said that the way to learn SEO is to test it and the times that they've encouraged you to do so. <laughs> and so it's pretty amazing to me that they'll tell you the way to learn SEO is to test it and they encourage you to do that. But then when they find out that you're doing it, they'll they get punitive in a
0: hurry. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like a management level thing. There's like the, the communication that they have. And then there's the guys that are down in the trenches that are like fighting against this spam. They're like, oh my God, I can't be bothered to deal with this. And if they do nothing, they might look weak or something. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's a fine line to walk. Honestly, it's a little bit ridiculous that they index your, te- your test sites. I'm surprised they didn't touch your main businesses, to be honest. I guess, I guess they had some remorse still, you know? They, they knew they were walking a, a fine line here. But that was interesting, because you basically talked about this ranking this Leroy Ipsum site. When we were in Bali, that's where we met. We met in the DMSS conference in Bali. And we bumped into each other for basically a month because we were going to the same places. I remember you basically explain how you rank these sites. So you broke it down and you explain that what you're doing is you're looking at what's ranking in Google and then you're essentially mimicking the page structure of the page. So you, there's like five H2s on average, then you put five H2s. If there's two images, you put two images. If there's a YouTube video, you put a YouTube video, etc. Like you, you determine the average of top-ranking sites and you build a page that essentially matches the most common patterns and then you just also do that with keyword density and then you put lower ipsum in between. That's what you did, right?
1: That's exactly right. I I do SEO under the principle that the secret is hiding in plain sight. Google is showing you the sites that it likes. That's why they're ranking. And they're either ranking because of their on-page, their off-page, or a combination of the two. So if you do your SEO where you find the sites or you determine the sites that are doing on-page the best, and you look at the sites that are doing off-page the best, and if you emulate both of those categories, you're going to rank pretty well pretty much every time.
0: Yeah. And it was an interesting one. And honestly, I, I liked it. And I've followed a lot of that since we, uh, since we talked in Bali. And actually, I probably have some case study stuff I published on Atari Hacker in like a month or two. There's some interesting things, on, especially on Atari Hacker, because Atari Hacker, we have always supposed to be original, but try to still get some SEO traffic. So we have pages that like don't match at all what else is ranking. And I can definitely see a trend of these pages just going down over time, especially as it seems like Google is releasing these like rank brain things, et cetera. It feels like, Essentially, they're determining what people want for this query, and they're like, I just want to show these kind of pages for these kind of results. And so we've been revamping a lot of pages following a lot of the talks I've had with people in Asia. We've been revamping a lot of pages to essentially match what was on search, right? And many times, it means there's less information, it's less detailed, there's less things, but that's more matching what people are essentially, what Google is expecting to see and what people seem to be reacting to. And I've seen pretty good results so far. A lot of my SEO since Asia has been mimicking stuff. Basically, it's two things I've been changing a lot in my SEO process is mimicking people and paying a lot more attention to on-page, which I did, didn't do very well before. And I've been working a lot on that. And I'm sure we'll talk about on-page later because you have a tool called Page Optimizer Pro that helps do on-page as well. But when you did that talk in Bali, the thing I wanted to raise the beginning was that Tim from Ahrefs was in the room. And he hated your
1: talk. I love Tim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, lo- I love Tim.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was interesting. He was basically like, well, you know, when I work on really big and competitive queries, essentially your your what you were saying is Google's algorithm is an algorithm. There's just a formula. You follow it and you rank broadly. <laughs> and Tim was like, well, it seems like Google is app- applying deep AI stuff, et cetera, to search queries. And I don't think it's that simple as you put three H2s and two images, et cetera, and you're going to rank. And so I, I was like, and, and it was between, Tim was basically asking me to choose between you and him. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I don't like when mommy and daddy are fighting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. I'm open minded. <laughs> so then I go to Charles Ford, who was there as well. And I, I literally talked to him about this. And I think he raised something interesting. He was essentially telling me that the rank brain stuff and kind of like the, the more complex, more recent algorithms that Google seem to be implemented in, so implementing in search um, cost a lot to compute. Like computing AI, is, it costs money, right? And so that what was most likely to happen was that for very big competitive queries and com- queries that bring a lot of money through uh, AdWords, probably Google adds ranking factors that don't necessarily show up for much less competitive queries, maybe local, like small local queries, maybe imaginary keywords, etc. Probably Google does not compute the AI stuff for these things, which made me really happy because essentially it was creating a vision of the world where both of your visions could exist together. You know, Well, essentially Tim could be right <laughs> for big queries and your stuff is still right in the sense that the core probably base algorithm feels simple, but maybe there's like some deeper levels of learning that get applied as the keywords gain popularity. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I like that model a lot. Because let's say you had a keyword and every page that ranked for that keyword didn't have an H1. Would Google use the H1 as a factor? Do you see what I'm saying? So if it didn't exist for any pages that were trying to rank for that keyword or found for that keyword, it wouldn't use it as a factor. So it makes sense to me that there are factors that are used and factors that are not. And I can see how it would stack. So the more competitive something is, you know, and you could probably there's probably close correlation between competitive or SEO and and people bidding in AdWords. There's probably pretty close correlation there. So probably as a as a SERP gets more competitive, they can start to add ranking factors that they will evaluate, and then maybe getting to the top point where they've got RankBrain, whatever that might be. One other problem I have with RankBrain though is what is RankBrain? You can ask 10 different people and they'll give you 10 different
0: answers. Oh, God. I have, I have some of these questions for you like that, where like everyone has a different answer. I want to know your answer.
1: Yeah, and what I fight against when I speak and, and when I teach and, and when I do that kind of stuff is I'm fearful that people use a term like rank brain to mean something they can't explain. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that it's, that it's rank brain. It's the God of the gaps where you can't explain something in nature, so you say it's God. But then the problem is, you know, You figure out that the sun is rising because the earth is turning god becomes a little bit smaller and i don't think google gets smaller you know it's just not understanding what google is doing so i get very hesitant to just apply rank brain to anything that i don't quite understand because i think just about anything can be tested and whatever rank brain might be i think can also be tested even in these warm ipsum environments
0: yeah i think what we can agree on is that probably more competitive more popular queries get more computing budget associated to them because they're more important to google so they're they're probably willing to put more resources behind these queries
1: there's no doubt in my mind and i mean they even say that they don't manually curate but i'm sure that they do on the ones that are i was gonna say they they claim that they don't manually curate but i would bet that they do for the ones that it makes economic sense to do so
0: yeah i agree Uh, especially for the ones that would probably be watched by the fda and things like this you know I can imagine Google just doesn't want to get sued, doesn't want to get a legal trouble, and it's cheaper to pay curators than to pay lawyers. So, yeah. yeah for sure. One thing I wanted to ask you, since you talked about like God getting smaller and essentially people putting rain-brain brain behind gaps... Another crazy word has come out lately that, that, to me, feels exactly like what you just talked about, which is the EAT stuff related to the Medica. I, like, <laughs> I feel like all SEOs are explaining that update with, oh, it's EAT. You just need to add another box and you're going to rank higher again. And I wanted to know what you feel about that.
1: Well, I hate le- <laughs> the Medica. I hate those. <laughs> who, pay, who makes those latest? Who is in charge of that?
0: I think it's like uh, the guys at the at the SC roundtable or something. I guess or something
1: like that. Probably right. It's like, um, did you know that you know they like today's National Sweater Day or something like that? Did you know that that guy has no authority to do that? He just makes them all up. There's a guy that has a website, and he was the first one to do it, and now everybody goes to that website. They validated him as though he's the one that could say it's National Cheese Day. You know, like. <laughs> so to me, the the declarations of updates are basically the same thing in my mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just like there's some people that are close to, to Google employees and then they, they probably know that there's an update and then they just get to break the news and then they just give a name to it or something and that's it. But yeah. on the update itself, do you feel like, how, like, do you believe in the EAT stuff or are you like, oh, it's bullshit?
1: Well, it looks to me that Google wanted to get rid of a lot of affiliate sites. And in order to do that, I think we're looking at things that real businesses can do. And not that an affiliate site isn't a real business, but they often really aren't. Know, or they're they're trying to hide the fact that they're a real business. And I can see that if somebody bought a product from a site and there's no way for them to get a refund or it's difficult or if they have a problem and they need to contact somebody, I can see that Google would have preference to show a site in their SERPs that can answer, can, that can pick up the phone and answer a question or solve a problem or give a refund. So on the sites that I saw that were hit, By this, the ones that weren't nearly all of them, you couldn't tell who owns the site. Nearly all of them, they often didn't have an email on the site. They had maybe a generic contact form. So when you look at it from an algorithmic perspective of what you can program into a computer to go and crawl a website and find, there's probably I can see 50 things that you could look for. Is there a an address? Is there a phone number? Do they have multiple emails? Do they have different categories? Is there a privacy policy? That, to me, seems more likely than you have an author bio and, and there's some sort of expertise. Because I don't know how you would algorithmically determine that somebody is an expert or not. I don't, I don't know how you would do that. And that's a real value judgment, too. You have, you have to say, like, okay, I think this person's more authoritative than that person, and I don't know how you would do that value judgment based on a computer. But what you can see is if there's an, if there's a real business address. You can see if they've got a verified GMB. You can see if they've verified their domain in YouTube. You can see if they've got, they're using G Suite and they've got a G Plus and they've got REL Publisher on their page. All of those things are huge trust signals. They're things that real businesses do. And I can see, you know, because they're using an algorithm, they're going to get sites, a few sites will get swept up that do have those things. And that's just the nature of the beast. Because, you know, uh, an algorithm isn't perfect. It's going to grab some of the stuff that they would actually prefer to, to keep. But if they can get a lot of the stuff that they don't want in, I can see them doing that.
0: Okay, cool. I actually disagree. Should I share my, my feeling? Or, or rather, I'll share a real-life example, okay? I'll take two examples. I mean, we were in the health niche and healthadmission.com, one of our sites, did get a pretty significant hit. But like big competitors that do have like full e-commerce platforms, full businesses, etc., got massively hit as well like basically everyone around us went down and four sites went up like a site like drx.com or wellness Mama have everything that you've described including like a full e-commerce platform
1: i looked at that one scroll around yeah scroll through that site and tell me who owns it who owns it you don't know um. you don't know who owns that site you don't know who's responsible for that. well that's because you're a human being yeah you can't find out who owns that site same with like Livestrong. Livestrong is a real brand. Everybody knows Livestrong. But if you go to Livestrong, you have to click off of the site to find out who owns it, who's responsible for the content, who do I contact if something goes wrong.
0: Can you do it on Healthline? So Healthline is like the site that basically took everyone's traffic. And so if you check them, like I'm literally checking right now, let's just do it live, like F it. <laughs> yeah, they do actually. They have a San Francisco office and a New York office on the about page. Yeah. Like there's a phys- two physical addresses. And two phone numbers. Interesting. Okay, fair enough. Then I'm rallying to your vision of them. I could have. Did I just did
1: I just pick up some cred? Did I, did I pick up some cred right now?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast is we actually can talk about real life examples, you know. And like, I don't mind changing my mind if you actually have a good a good point, you know. But yeah, okay, that makes sense. Actually, interesting. Another thing I wanted to ask you, I, I basically want to ask you about a bunch of tests that you've done because I think that's gonna interest people. I think I think one thing that one of the oldest. SEO myth that you kind of busted with the, I was going to say TFJ, with the lower ipsum stuff, is the, that unique content doesn't matter that much? Like, how do you think that works out? Because it's like, how could you rank a lower ipsum page? Basically?
1: Well, th- those are two different questions, I think. Unique content or, or duplicate content, what we found there is that to get past the Google's filter, if you've seen that filter, it's the little blue link that says, we filtered out these results because we think they're the same. I'm sure you've seen that before. To get past that, you just have to be 51% unique. Yeah, and that's if you're doing blocks of content. But we, you can even get past it just by changing every 13th word. That will also get past the Google's duplicate content filter. So at that point, anything that satisfies either of those, as far as Google is concerned, is unique. Lorem Ipsum is, is a different thing. What you're talking about is like, how can you rank with Lorem Ipsum, like in the rhinoplasty plano or some other things that I've done doing that? Google can't read the same way that a human being does. You know, a human being would look at it and say, like, this is nonsense, but what Google does or what a machine does when when it's crawling a page is that it has to pull out the words and put them into different categories and make associations between them. So when I copied and pasted in the exact keyword that I was going after, it's variations, it's LSI, what I was giving Google is actually the most relevant content that it could possibly hope for. Because I was putting those terms in that, it's a, that it wants to see that, that satisfies what it's looking for in the, on the page. It doesn't matter about all the other words. All the other words are filler, as far as it's concerned. They could be uh, uh, any words. It doesn't matter. It's looking for those ones that I put in specifically in those places uh, with the what you call density or the term frequency that I used.
0: Okay. What tools do you use for that?
1: I used Page Optimizer Pro, my tool, and I use Quora. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually what I use for okay. my agency. I use those two tools.
0: Yeah, you guys even have a done-for-you service as well, actually. No, it's like if people want to get it done, they can just get done on Page Optimizer Pro, right?
1: That's true. To be honest, I'd prefer that people just use the tool and learn SEO. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, fair yeah. enough. It usually you know, uh,
1: something that I realize is that, you know, people, I get asked a lot, like, how can I learn SEO? If you ran Quora a few times, and then you took the top 50 that, that seemed to show up every time, the 50 factors and you learned them inside and out, you would be one of the best SEOs in the world. There's no doubt in my mind. Same with pop. If you went through the, the pop factors that are there and really learned them, like what they mean when like you know, your competitors are using them, how they're using them, uh, how they're uh, taking advantage of them or how they're implementing them. If you just learned what those factors were, you're instantly become an SEO expert. The tools, so while they can help you do SEO, they can really help you learn SEO just by figuring out what they are. What they're talking about.
0: I mean, to be honest, a lot of SEO is like kind of like pre-done for you these days. It's between on-page SEO tools, tools like Ahrefs for link data, etc., tools like Mailshake for outreach, and many others. Like you just combine these things together, and like a lot of the SEO work can. It's it's almost like just a decision of like which keywords to go after, and being able to put decent content together. The rest, it's like, it's. we're living in an era where building websites and promoting them has never been this easy, to be honest. And buy a hosting domain and abuse free trials and you can learn a lot, to be honest.
1: But the one thing is that you have to understand the concepts behind them. So you're right. and I And I think you can do really well, but to get to your level, you know, the success that you have with SEO, you use these tools, but you also understand what they're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I did everything manually before, you know?
1: Right, exactly, exactly. I don't think it's just the tool.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just, I'm, I'm just saying like, it's never been this easy to progress this fast because a lot of these tools can just make things a lot easier for you and also create content that helps you do well with them. I mean, when I see like the content, like guys like Ahrefs, etc., do, that wasn't around a couple of years ago. And it wasn't that exact and that precise. And so I think it's not that hard. By your hosting account, pick some easy keywords and then apply what, like you will learn by doing what these tools do. And every time it asks you to do a change, like it asks you to do a change to the H1 or to whatever the page structure, whatever, just just Google and read articles about what this element does and how it matters for SEO. And eventually you pick up the understanding. It's kind of like playing a video game. Like I'm the guy that plays video games and learns every character and every ability before I even open the game. And then eventually I just go and uh, I just go and do it. And I just like, it just flows. It just flows really well, basically. I wanted to ask you another question about anchor text. It's something that I, I'll i be honest, I have not tested in years. And I know you're doing a lot of tests. So how important is anchor text these days?
1: We're talking about the text, the clickable text that you see on-page. External links, right? yeah. And this is all within on-page is what we're talking about.
0: You know, I mean, like, it's more like, how important is the anchor text of your external links to the rankings of the keyword, like to the rankings of your main keywords, basically? Like, if I want to rank for a keyword, if I want to rank for, we just released the update on best keyword tools, for example. If I want to rank for best keyword tools, how important is it for me to get best keyword tools anchor text or keyword tools anchor text to that page as opposed to authority hackers blog posts anchor text, for example?
1: I got you. I don't really know. When I do this work, within my agency, what I look for is what, similar to the on-page evaluation that we do, I'll, I'll try to look and see how many, um, like what percentage they're doing exact match anchors within their backlink profile, the, the, the sites that are winning. And then I might think about emulating that, but I don't really like to build links into target pages because you're usually selling something on that page or your or a service. And if you were to get a real link, if you're selling something, you ask somebody to link to this page, they're going to tell you to pound sand. Because nobody wants to link to a, a page that you're selling something on so usually what i'll do is i'll create a, a silo structure i will have good supporting articles and those supporting articles will probably have an exact match anchor pointing into the target page but those are going to be good content those are going to be the things that answer longer tail questions that are informational fun interesting and then those actually will often if you want to do a link building campaign i'll, I'll do my link building campaigns to those and then link into from there to my target page. So maybe my target page only has a handful of exact match anchors, but they're internal.
0: Okay, cool. And that, that's pretty much what we do. I mean, we, we scale skyscraper campaigns, build content that gets links. Then we essentially have that link equity on our site and use it for internal linking. So how do you balance your internal linking anchor text? I guess that would be the, the follow-up question
1: to us. I'm not really concerned about it. Have you ever seen a site get burned with internal links? I feel like you could, but... I mean, it would have to be a lot, right? I think you could, but it'd be a
0: ton. I mean, okay, I guess. I guess it depends because if you can get burned by anchor text, then how come all these big sites with, you know, exact match anchor text in the footer don't get hammered? You know.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think maybe at some point you could get there, but it's it's got to be pretty hard.
0: Yeah, okay. But I guess if if it's in the content of the page and it's like always the same stuff, et cetera. But yeah, I haven't seen it. So basically, so does that mean you're being aggressive when you do uh, anchor text internally?
1: No, I mean, handful, it really it would come down to how many supporting pages I've got.
0: Okay, another interesting thing I was talking about with some friends was uh, link ghosting. Essentially the fact that you can have a link to your page and then if that link is removed, it still counts and your page still ranks despite the fact that the link is not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Did you observe that before?
1: Yeah, a link echo is I think what I called it. Yeah, we saw that you can. it'll last for about six months. I think that's a fair amount of time where um, a link exists, it's removed, and then I think you get about six months worth of um, uh, use, use still out of it.
0: So my question then would be, let's say that Google takes 24 hours to re-index the page when you update, but it echoes for six months. Does that mean that if you have a page with a shit ton of links, you can just use it to essentially rotate links and get the page indexed like 10 times and essentially have echoes, echoes of links to 10 different pages from that page and, and demultiply the page rank that it passes?
1: Probably. I, I've done it. <laughs> I, haven't done it 10. I've, I haven't done it 10, but I've done it to three using the same uh, and using a uh, link shortener too, just changing the destination. Uh-huh. The shorteners.
0: And essentially you're able to push multiple pages, right? Without dividing the page rank.
1: That's correct. So I don't know what the actual
0: well, I hope we don't get the stuff. indexed after this.
1: <laughs> now you're in trouble. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't say to do it. I, I haven't done it on a live site, but I've I've done it to see that it works.
0: We're like the C R N of SEO. We're just talking theoretically here. We don't recommend you do these things. Another question I had to for you actually that like that it would be borderline manipulating would be that let's say like you were basically saying that the key to ranking hides in plain sight. That's what you're saying. You're saying essentially mimic the pages that are ranking, and you probably do well. Let's say you control one or like two to three spots, let's say, on page one for an important keyword. Can you then skew what Google is looking for for this page, and essentially kill your competitors by, let's say, putting 20,000 words on your page and just ramping up the average a lot and eventually just making them irrelevant?
1: Yes, this is an idea that I've had. It's nothing that I've put into place, but it makes a lot of sense to me. What I would do though is I would start adding each month, you know, a hundred words or some smaller number, but I would eventually get that page up to, say, that twenty thousand, and then the, the the bar to to entry is so high that you're you're never gonna get pushed off.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's almost like if you have a money keyword you could almost build up to a point where it would be many people would just walk away you know and then you can just essentially protect your fortress and build up a wall you know i need to try that actually i wanted to ask about that but
1: that's a good strategy is to have multiple domains you know going after the the same keyword i think google really doesn't want to do multiple listings for the same domain but if you have multiple sites you could take those say three spots and then ramp them all up and you you establish what is the baseline for that keyword based off of those three sites and then you're there forever and you own all those spots.
0: That's the idea I have, basically. So it's one of the things I'm definitely exploring right now. Like, as I'm saying, how essentially copying, being very close to what's ranking already works really well, provided you're able to build up your domain authority slash authority, like link equity fast enough to, to get on par with your competitors. You're able to essentially hijack keywords by being the trendsetter, you know? And then everyone has to follow you.
1: Exactly. But what I would do as I'm adding content like that, add signals, get a breadth of signals. So you've got the most diversity, you know, so go for the really obscure ones. Like when you're looking at core and it's got 570, start adding signals that everybody's a zero because then you're going to set the standard that the site needs to have that. So you're going to have a larger breadth of signals than anybody else. Even if they matched you on those 20,000 words, they're not going to match you on all the signals.
0: Yeah, you make your page a bit weirder, like you make it not conform, like you you add, uh, I don't know, you have like way too many sidebar widgets or something like this, I don't know, something like that, that would, or like you have a Google Plus button if you can still do it. Exactly. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're taking over what sets the trend and then you're sending it in a weird direction where most people wouldn't go so that you're essentially in control. I love it. Interesting. Like I just put for those for people listening, right? What are some other weird on-page tactics that you've experienced success with and that uh, you haven't heard many people talk about?
1: My favorite is the home to home link. I did it forever ago. I haven't done it recently, but um, it's an old SEO tactic where you put a link to yourself on the page, basically can you get a boost? And you do. (laughs) I don't know that it's necessarily because uh, basically what it is, is that a link is a link. And so if that's the only factor that's there, Google will count that as a factor and and it'll give you a a bump. But I know after I published that test, a lot of people are like, Hey, I did it. It totally worked. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) that one's always uh, maybe my favorite oddball.
0: So easy as well. Any other one?
1: You know, I did a test based on a thread from Authority Hackers not that long ago. And I, re- I couldn't find the thread to post the results. And I, then I was like, hey, we should." I'll just mention it on the podcast. And then we kind of pumped it out a couple months. But it was about image location, like the, the hero image or the header image uh-huh. that you put at the top.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I was asking you, actually. I was asking you, yeah.
1: We couldn't get any... There was It was a non-factor, you know, putting uh, text above the image, putting text below the image. It wouldn't move one way or the other. It didn't seem to have any impact at all.
0: Okay, well, it's, like, it's funny. When I removed the featured image on Atari Hacker. I mean, I just like, basically bumped the content up by like 200 plus pixels, like quite a lot. And to be honest, it could just be correlating with like a random update or like a computer going down or whatever. But what I know is I've noticed a decent bump in search results. But once again, it wasn't like a real test. So I didn't want to tell people, oh, you should do that. That's why I said, oh, can you, like, would you mind checking
1: this, you know? It totally makes sense. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. We just couldn't replicate it. We couldn't get movement one way or the other.
0: Yeah, fair. I mean, yeah, maybe we just got lucky. It's it's hard to tell, to be honest. Another thing I wanted to ask you is on like, let's say you want to rank for a mid competition keyword. Let's say like a keyword difficulty thirty to forty on Ahrefs keyword, right? You have a page that has no links at all. You've built your page perfectly. That matches exactly what the competitors have, but you know you do need some links here. Would you pick a hundred? Low domain rating links or five high domain rating links?
1: Yeah, I was wondering about that. My gut tells me I'll take five. Uh huh. The five high, maybe. So if I'm going for that keyword, what I would have done, or what I would do, is um, I'd have my articles that I've built that are on the page that support it. You know, that are that are getting that. So because I've got those five articles already pointing in, I might take the hundred so I get a little more velocity how about that
0: yeah that's the momentum you can build with 100 you can build momentum with five you can't you know
1: exactly so uh, it's a real tough one but i might take the 100 <laughs>
0: okay so you're changing your mind right let's see what was behind the five. no okay yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah i'm changing my mind right now
0: we've had success with both yeah <laughs> me too. Me too. i mean me too. it's good you change my mind i change your mind you know
1: <laughs> i'll take the 100 give me the 100
0: <laughs> okay sure tomorrow yeah, I mean, we've had success with both. It's just one of these things, my personal observation is that at the beginning of the life of a site, the number of links seems to be almost more important for initial traction than how high quality they are. Like you can get 20 shitty guest posts to a brand new site and you'll get a decent bump in traffic compared to what was where it had nothing, right? But when you have a mature site that has high authority... It feels like low authority sites do almost nothing. No, low authority links, sorry. The more I go with link building and the more I'm like, I'm trying to match the domain rating of the sites I get links from to my own domain rating so that essentially it progresses as your site progresses and matches. And also that, that kind of forces you to do link building in a way that you don't get shitty links that just pump up the metrics on Ahrefs but don't really necessarily move the needle. So I guess for me, it would depend what the site as a whole is. Just because through navigations, through all of that, you get a decent level of authority, and then yeah, essentially like low DR links for high authority sites, just don't move the needle for me. That's my answer. But I wanted to know what
1: you think. I'm with you. I agree. I'm totally with you on that. Hundred percent. Okay.
0: Cool. Recently, another thing, another non-scientific experiment I've done. And once again, I, I share these things. I usually don't share them publicly. It's just nice to start a discussion, but it's not something that I would say everyone should do That it is playing with uh, CTI in search. And essentially, I would literally just like update an article and be like, everyone go and Google this and click on the search result, right? So like, it was the most organic possible. It was just random people around the world just Googling and clicking. To the point where the search volume for these queries sometimes was like three times the monthly searches for in one day or something. But I've managed to essentially, I think if you Google, let's hope it's going to be still here when, we, uh, when the podcast is released, but when you Google Google freshness, there's an article that actually doesn't match, doesn't match at all what was ranking before on the Tori Hacker that I wrote quickly. And it's outranking search engine journal, Moz, etc. Now it's like, it's way smaller and way shittier. And when I published it, it was like on page two or something. And just by effect of CTR, I've managed to, have number one for like two months now. It's not a big query. It's not super competitive. And I don't think it would stick if it was competitive, right? But um, I wanted to know what you've tested in terms of CTR. And if you've seen positive effects, how do you do that, let's say, for clients?
1: So I don't do that for clients. Just in case case Google's really taking notes on this. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I I don't do that. I don't do. I don't manipulate. (laughs) I have played a lot with this, a ton. And it's infuriating because there are times when it really seems to work. And then there are times when it really seems to not. And I'm having a lot of problem finding any kind of pattern or consistency to make it. I can be like, okay, I, with some reasonable amount of certainty, it's going to work in, in these conditions. I'm playing with uh, a lot of bots right now that do that just to see You know, people claim that their bot can do this or that. And I've done a lot of testing and, and it's it also it's like, oh, hey, it seems to be working, and then it, it won't work again. So I don't know, I, and, and that's an awful answer, but I honestly have no idea because it's, it really does seem to work sometimes, and it really seems to not work in very similar situations, and I don't know when CTR is, is, is a thing or not.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I don't have much to add on this. I just did this one experiment. and Seeing how quickly that bumped up above sites way bigger than us, and the, the most blog post is way better than ours as well.
1: Don't, don't sell yourself short. What are you talking about? You write better than Moz. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this one's pretty good, actually. It was the one from Cyrus Shepard. He did like some illustrations on like explaining what freshness is. Extra. It just makes more sense for the query, really. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I'm happy to admit that. There's, but uh, it, it was just interesting to see that. Oh, one interesting thing is like this is Google freshness, and this article was like uh, from this year, whereas the other ones are like two or three years old. So might be a combination of actually recency plus CTR actually. That worked pretty well, but uh, yeah, it's like ever since seeing that massive jump just from CTR, I'm definitely spending more time, essentially writing clickbaity titles on Google, like you know, putting things in brackets, putting numbers, anything that Buzzfeed would write, you should write in your title tag. Basically,
1: yeah, that's a uh, very good point.
0: That's kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. I know you've tested bounce rate as well, like, and I tend to be very defensive about, about bounce rate as defined by default in Google Analytics. Because you could spend any time on the page and then bounce off and then that's counted as a bounce even if you were like 10 hours on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my opinion, it's not the best user engagement metric, but I know you've done a bunch of tests. So can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. And I don't know if I have any confidence in, in bounce rate at all for exactly what you just said. Somebody can go to a page, they can get the information they needed and they can bounce and, but they didn't have a bad experience. So I don't understand how that would be a, a, a negative or a positive. You know, if they started clicking through the site, maybe that's a bad experience because they didn't get the answer that they were expecting to get through the search, you know? Yeah, I don't really buy – I'm not buying bounce rate page views, maybe time on site but I, or dwell time. But I, again, they have to figure that on your second click, right? That's how they start to run that clock.
0: Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it's not, it's not even tracked, right? I, it's like, I don't believe in it personally. I know like, you go to like, most SEO conferences, etc., like half the talks we talk about bounce rate or some kind of stuff like that, like, oh, you need to reduce your bounce rate, etc. You know, you can just rewrite analytics so that it just uh, pings people after 10 seconds so you actually can redefine bounce rate. I think there's like, a really old post on Atari Hacker on like, the edited code. And when you implement that, like usually your bounce rate goes from like 70% to like 20% or something. And that shows you how flimsy the default bounce rate in analytics is. And if Google was using any kind of bounce rate, it's probably not the one Google Analytics, in my opinion. But I just wanted to know what you think, because I know you run out of
1: tests. I don't think there's any correlation or causation of, of any, like having Google Analytics and, and, your, and your ranking. I'm selling, <laughs> I'm selling those stats.
0: Cool. Yeah, okay, cool. That's super interesting. I think we're basically out of questions right now. Anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to talk about?
1: Oh, a fun one that I did recently. So was with, I found that after the .com, so when you're in a, a subdirectory, mm-hmm. you want your keywords hyphened. That's better than squishing them all together. But then I started thinking about EMDs, you know, where people you know buy the exact match domain, but it's all squished together. And I was like, I wonder if Google has a preference there. It's a tough one to do because you ah. buy two domains. So one... Words squished together, one with hyphens, and then you launch them at the same time, and you have to do that test multiple times because you know there are a lot of factors there. Just getting one result. Well, getting one result anyway isn't going to say anything, but this is you have to run multiple times. But it's a real pain in the ass because now you're buying multiple sets of domains, you're you're getting multiple sets of hosting, you're putting them up and trying to control as many factors. It's a real pain in the ass. But I ran it three times in a row, and the hyphens won every time. So take that for what it is. That's not and in the bank kind of thing. But if you're an affiliate marketer kind of guy, which this might be this crowd, I would consider <laughs> I would consider the hyphen if you're going to go after uh, an EMD. Just uh, a little food for thought.
0: Be right back buying authority hyphen hacker. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to talk about this, but dude, some people have done this kind of stuff to us. But yeah, okay, that makes sense. And it's typically one of these things where like people who don't run tests just come and get some visibility through blog posts, conferences, talks, et cetera, and tell you that hyphens in domains are bad. And then everyone just starts buying it. And then it just becomes common belief. Yeah. And then until someone actually tests it, they don't realize that. I mean, it's been the case for like pop-ups as well. Like I've done a lot of tests on like a CRO pop-ups, et cetera. And like everyone was like, oh my God, pop-ups, the best one is exit intent because it's not too intrusive, et cetera. Well, you literally lose 200% conversion rates. <laughs> when you when you when you put it on exit intent versus versus page load, so you know people do opt in in the end. Like if people put their email, it means you're and you're making more money usually, and you're doing the same with SEO, which is why I'm just wanted to thank you for dropping by. And I know some people will want to like follow up on your stuff and maybe hear more about you, etc. So it would be nice if you can tell people where they can find you online, basically.
1: Sure. So I've got a uh, YouTube channel, the uh, SEO Fight Club that I'm running with uh, Ted Kubitis of Cora and, um, and Clint Butler. And that's been a lot of fun. So that's every Wednesday. At, Super nerdy, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. So you got you to gotta, like nerd. <laughs> My tool page optimizer pro, I actually a- answer most of the support tickets. So if you have a question about SEO, you can probably jump on and catch me and I'm more than happy to help people. <laughs> so, where else can you find me? I'm in SIA. Yeah, I'm talking a lot of places. I- I'm talking tomorrow here in uh, Slovenia. At, uh, in orbit, and um, are you are you going to DMSS this year? Are you going to go back?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll be in DMSS. I'll see you in Shanghai well. Oh, you I'll know what? I saw
1: you're you've got billing, you've got billing ahead of me, and I was jealous. You got what? Your 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 picture is ahead of mine. I right got now. what? Uh, are you higher billing on. DMSS? Uh, I didn't even
0: look. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he beat me. Oh shit! Well- <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> we need to look at the, the feedback from the speakers. I think that's the one that I would care most about. And your talk was really good in the MSS, so oh. I'm not worried for you here. But yeah, so guys, if you want to check out Cal's stuff, there's also going to be the links in the show notes, so you can check that out. And Cal, thanks for coming in, and uh, maybe we'll do a round two at some point.
1: Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So there you have it. This was our advanced SEO interview with Carroof. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, don't forget to subscribe or even drop us a review if you're in the mood for it. Next week, I am back with Mark and we will open up on some of the plans we have for our new batch of websites. So don't miss the next episode. Have a good week and thank you for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium authority hacker training.